Well, this is exciting to have a session 0.1, our first mm-hmm. interview with, with the players for Reckless Move Season 2. And uh, I am uh, I am humbled because we have our guests today who are also Dungeon Masters themselves. So Melinda Barkhouse and Rob Ross, uh, I am uh, going to ask you some questions. Basically, individually, is this is very free form, but the first thing I ask is, uh, what got you into D and D? Um, and I know that a couple of you play other games, so we're but we're playing Dungeons and Dragons currently fifth edition and later on one, whatever that is. So <laughs> we're gonna um, go into one. This is news to me. No, you're a brave man. No, no we're, we're, we're going to be doing five E for this campaign until the world changes. That's um, fair because they just announced something for like two years ago. But anyway, I'm Michael Kermine. I'm the Dungeon Master because I am a masochist. And I uh, <laughs> yeah, I love bro. being a Dungeon Master for Dungeon Masters. But uh, really, um, you guys are amazing people because I've seen I've been a player alongside you. And now being a Dungeon Master for a game is pretty exciting. So let's start with Melinda. What got you into D&D? What's your ba- or what's your background with gaming is a better question. Okay. Um, well, it was a fateful night when I was in grade eight. Um, yeah, I so I used to hang out with kids who got into like nothing but trouble. And um, every once in a while, I would kind of sneak away from them. And I would meet up with this other group of kids and we would go into, uh, you know, this guy's house and we would play D&D. Um, I don't even know what edition it was. It's got to be fourth, I would say. Um and I think they just let me get away with a whole bunch of stuff, to be honest. I don't think that I'd actually truly played D&D like by the rules, so to speak. I think that they were just letting me come in, have some fun and then go on my way. Um, but I came back to the game three, three or four years ago now. And um, I just needed something to do. I needed something to fill some time. Um, my friend, my circle of friends was getting smaller and smaller. And I was like, I need to meet some new people. I need some fresh blood. Um, the two things are not related, but, uh, I was, <laughs> I was like, I, I just need, That's you know, a different a question. New, <laughs> yeah, I just need a new circle of friends basically was what it came down to. And, uh, there was a friend that I had and I knew that he was like a super D and D guy. So I reached out to him and asked if he had any games going on. He ended up pulling together this group of people and we started to play and about a year into it, uh, we were just about to start the curse of Strahd or we were two or three games in and he pulled the plug and decided he, he didn't want to be a DM anymore. He was starting oh, to get no. burned out. Yeah. So um, that's the the short story of how I ended up as a DM um, because then it evolved into wizards and wine, which accidentally became an all female cast that wasn't on purpose. It was just kind of how everything landed. And uh, that's kind of how we came about and how I got back into the game. It was just looking for, uh, friends who, you know, had a different point of view or yeah, no, the same point of view that I had, uh, same kind of common interests. I was just looking for a way to, uh, do something a little bit different than what I had been up to. So wizards and wine, is that a uh, podcast or do you streaming as well? Uh, it is both. Yeah. Um, we're still working some of the kinks out because if I'm involved, it's a comedy of errors. (laughs) It's just a rule of thumb. Um, and I think we're, we're getting better at it though. Uh, the streaming, um, with the Vegas table is finally smoothed out. I think, um, I didn't look at today's, 
video, but I, I don't think that it, we were doing any. Do you record and then publish or do you live stream? Stream and I also record and publish. So oh. the the podcast that you get is uh, like a an edited version of that. We add I add music beds and and all of that kind of stuff. So you're you get the real view of how the games go if you're watching the live stream, and then you get the cherry picked, highly curated content when you listen to the podcast. That's what I listen to. I listen on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and it's a uh, pretty well produced. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Wizards of Wine, can, they can find you on all the platforms. All of the platforms. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Rob, uh, same question. What got you into, what's your gaming experience? What got you and into gaming? Mine's more like a evil origin story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. Mine yeah. too. But that, that's yeah. a, I'm uh, doing my own later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this happened in the <laughs> Yeah, this really, truly does, man. This is in New York. Um, I... Uh, met up with a guy named Keith uh, Joyner, a uh, huge figure in my life, really taught me a lot about what it is to be a guy and blah, blah, blah. If you're watching, Keith, uh, honestly, I've been trying to keep your legend alive for a long, long, long time. Um, <laughs> we were at a really uh, per, uh, very, very high end acting school, the neighborhood Playhouse, if anyone knows what that is. In uh, New York City? Yes, sir. Uh, it's uh, pretty much Harvard. It's 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 the one of the three peoples that invented uh, American acting, that's one of their schools. You have Stella, uh, you have Stella, you have Meisner, the, you have a couple other people that are offshoots. But I, I happen to be going to the neighborhood playhouse. And um, it's not a, not a positive place to go, although you will become a really good person after the fact. It's, a, uh, it's, it's one of those struggles. Like if you're going to be a doctor, do you go through the struggles of going through like Harvard or like, I mean, like, that is part of it. Like it's it's a it's a very very dark place that makes you glow as hard as they possibly can make you. Uh, so and recourse to get out of all of that outrageously hard acting stuff. He happened to play vampires and a uh, vampire the masquerade with his brother. Uh, so this was still an acting activity that we could do. It was all based upon improv. Uh, Meissner is a school of improv, uh, not just acting, but specifically on the improv uh, aspects of it. And um, it was it was a relief. It was it was something to go and do that was acting and was still working on the craft that I was working on. But it was it was positive and it was fun and it was light and it was enjoyable. And and you got to use all the stuff you just learned in class. And instead of like, you know, crying softly to yourself in a corner, you know, like you <laughs> you got you, you got to varnish a giant weapon and become a werewolf or a vampire and, and add all those chops to like, you know, to did like, you oh, did, just... did you say that vampire the masquerade is light? Oh, it can, <laughs> dude, you haven't been to the neighborhood playhouse. <laughs> okay, so I mean, okay, I was like, I'm a little confused by that because it, does, you, I'll, I'll, it, I'll it, it doesn't sound like light fair. It's not like no. you know Smurfs the game. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean I've literally. I'm sorry that this is going to go a little bit blue, but I've literally like been ridiculed by a whole group of people naked with my tennis shoes over my crotch. Like that's a, that's a real story. That really it's quite happened. a look. Yeah, yeah, man, uh, it's not fun. And, and as that was happening, the director was like, you know, you live in New York City. Where do you think those shoes have gone? Just to see what my reaction to be. Oh, my having gosh. those horrible shoes where they shouldn't have been uh, like, yeah, the neighborhood playhouse is real. All of those places are real. Those three top schools. They're all very, very real. Uh, they it's they like ask a, a lot. They like ask a, a lot out of people. 
it's like a creepy red hot chili peppers origin. Yes, with, yes. with a with a sneaker instead of socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. Pretty much, man. Yeah. Uh, so so this became this wonderful outlet, and I don't mean that we just played. We played because it was an out. It was a way to because mm. you had you had you had to keep on working on your craft because these are these are the these are your peers that are fighting for right. like two jobs in the world. So um, this this became like a, a, a beautiful outlet to to use the benefits later in my life. I look back at neighborhood playhouse and I'm very thankful that I that I went through that process. I feel very sound in myself because they pretty much destroy you to build you back up. But during that time period, mm. um, uh, Vampire, the Masquerade was, uh, I mean, I don't know how I would have gotten through it. We'd play three times a week, four times a week, five hours a day. We didn't have cable. We were very poor living in 63rd Queens, like uh, four college students in a two bedroom house. Like it was it was the, it was the story that you think it was. And uh, so I got into it very hardcore just as something that was positive and free. And all, all the roommates were all actors. So all of us just kind of jumped into this and really had a great time doing it. And, and it was it was a free release. You know, everyone got to laugh. Everyone remembered why acting was fun. But for D&D specific, I'd never played D&D. This oh. was brand, yeah, this was brand new to me. And I meet this beautiful woman in Canada. And unfortunately, it's really hard to go to Applebee's uh, when, <laughs> you know, when you, the person you want to take lives a con- complete continent away. Mm-hmm. So we had to start talking about something and something that we could have a, um, a dialogue over. As she just recently, like she had said, jumped into uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And I didn't know anything about it. So I was like, well, you know what? This is going to burn air. At least we can talk on the phone and have something interesting to have a conversation over. And what we ended up doing was building like a whole D&D city together and me learning the rules, just trying to. So I loved the girl and I needed a way to not just say I miss you. I miss you, too. You know, there had to be subsects. There had to be context to our conversations. So we started working on D&D and built a couple of worlds together, made some characters and. It's kind of been something that's kept us very happy and close together since then. I've been thinking about our orc rogue a lot recently. He no. used to catch flies with chopsticks. Yes. That was part of his uh, roguishness. Yes. Uh, yeah. He was maybe also our inf- Maybe influenced by some film oh, or something. Much. But, yeah, but, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. Steal uh, everything, people at home. Steal yeah. everything. <laughs> well, that's kind of the uh, Dungeon Master's milieu which is you're influenced by what you read what you watch what you Mm -hmm. experience your life and that sounds like that's what you got from vampires and vita which i'm not as familiar with i i'm i know of it but haven't played it myself but you also are dm of vampires and vita which is an ongoing campaign and uh i can also you can also find those on all the streams absolutely which is really fun so you guys are both DMing different games, which gives you your own thing. But as players together, what I found is you have your own, your own unique play style, each of you. And oh, just in sure. the preliminary, um, not to give too much of the campaign, because we're going to start that uh, very soon. But the, so you made characters for this um, campaign, which is I have I can't tell you that I spent after season one, which was 94 episodes of Reckless Moves, but it was podcast only, looking for people that really and like loved role playing. Mm. Now, but that does that said, what kind of blend do you each like for combat versus RP? Because uh, what about you, Melinda? You first. 
Um, I probably tend to lean RP a little bit more than I lean combat. And that's just because I haven't found the secret sauce to RPing my way through combat. Do you know what I mean? Um, can be done. Yeah, it can be. Absolutely. I just haven't found that that secret sauce to balance the two of the, uh, the two things together. It's something that I'm constantly trying to work on. Um, even as a DM, I, I find that I um, I don't want to say I rush through combat, but um, it just combat still feels very mechanical to me versus an opportunity to tell a bit more of the story. That so, makes sense. Yeah. So I, I still, uh, you know, I think I just default to RP before I would go to combat. Well, also sometimes the just like uh, in war games, the only way to win is to not play. No, so, right. Too, so, yeah. so um, the I love when people. So the best laid plans of the DM. Yeah, I could plan for four hours to do a certain thing, and a player will do this right. over on this uh -huh. left-handed side, and I love that so much because creativity to get out of something rather than. I rush in and smash something, which also has its place. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Uh, combat role play? Uh, are we talking about me DMing or me uh, as players? Play, I should I should have prefaced play. that saying as players. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, I find I find it very fun as a player that the only time that you get to DM in somebody else's game is by describing instead of just saying, "Oh, I do Elders Blast again," because if you're a warlock, that's pretty much all you're going to do. So I find it interesting and fun to uh, to be able to make that Eldritch Blast always a little bit interesting because you don't get to paint as a player. You get to be, you get to have all the other funds and you get to see all these images and you get to live in somebody else's world and you get to have story plots and, and hooks that you get to chase and things that you get to find. But like when they're like, how do you how do you do that? You get to say for a moment like in combat, like, no, I do it this way. Like I reach into my, uh, reach into my robes and I bring out some amethyst and I like put two stones together and, and you get to come up with a very short, like narrative story of how not just like your warlock uh, works, but how you as that warlock, like how does your magic come out? Like right. you can be a barbarian and be like, like, yeah, I hit him in the head. Or like, that's part of like a ritual that like your family used to do by beheading you know, the, mm -hmm. for praise of the gods, you know I mean? Like you right. can add all those things. So, so descriptive, I, descriptive combat is much more fun for me as well as a dungeon master. So that's one of the reasons, actually, I think, let's see when I think half the people playing are DMS. Yeah. yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really exciting sure. because the way I, I think my job is to facilitate fun and to know what people's goals are and what they like to do the players really drive what happens. It, you have complete agency. Absolutely. So there's, uh, I never, there may be some general like global railroading, but I don't railroad in the thing, in the, in the place, in the, in the in moment. The minutia. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a, the way I build a campaign, here's where you start. Here's where it's going to end. Right. And there's theories along the way. <laughs> so without revealing any, backstory because that's going to come out in the game um, <laughs> so um melinda tell me about your character that you developed for this reckless move season two. Oh gosh well michael i'm ugh, i still am 
You're torn. I'm I'm so desperately well, torn. They just took the they just took a race away from you. Yeah, well, we're doing spell jabber. And because, you know, it and it was as soon as I saw the first um, initial stuff that was starting to come out about the Hadozi and uh, the problematic stuff attached to them, um, I I messaged Michael right away and I was like, I, I can't I can't move forward with. So me. to explain contextually, because this may who people may watch this much later. Yeah, there was a. We're we're not we are allowing, and in the future, like spelljammer is a new thing. It's actually not a new thing. It's a new thing in five e. Right. Um, it's something that I did. A, I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> I've been playing be, since yeah. I was thirteen, and I'm fifty fifty three. Yeah. So, um, seventy eight. Yeah, it was. It was new. Yeah. When it came out, it was exciting, like space D and D. Right. But but there's a there was some controversy about this race, the Hadozi. You can look it up, Google it. They have I think they've done a good job of acknowledging and moving on. But as a result, you are currently and we're not locked into this until we start playing. Right. Currently a GIF what? Artificer, uh, Battlesmith. Um, ah, now GIF yeah. are the hippo race, which I just love them. Yeah. And it's a perfect race for guns and uh, weaponsmiths and uh so you say artificer artificer however you say it um mm -hmm. it's exciting yes what what, and, what what got you into that what what made you what excited you about that class um so i've been intrigued by the class for a long time and i think you might have played one in a one shot that we just played like randomly at two o'clock in the morning with some friends one we, time. We do that a lot. Yeah, we do. <laughs> random games that pop up. We're just like, hey, let's roll some characters and play a game. Um, but um, so I'd been intrigued about the class for a while. And I know that, uh, you know, we as the three of us play in a game all together. And I know that there are a couple of people who have come and gone in that game who absolutely will not under any circumstances allow that class into their games because they think they're horrifyingly broken. Uh, they just think that they're very. I, I disagree, by the way. Yeah, like, um, I, I think you sh people should play what interests them. And and it if it's in canon, if it's actually in the game, if it's not unearthed arcana or something, if it's actually right. in a book that which I own all of them mm -hmm. um, on D&D &D Beyond. Thank you, D&D &D Beyond. Yes. Um, uh, so so. It's loud. So so um, and you have a couple unique features. Oh God, you're gonna be very unique features. Do you want to? Uh, I don't know if you want to say, but well, I mean, the gift. Like, I I need to spend uh, some more time because I need to re rework everything, right? Because I had my backstory for Dee Dee ready to go, and now I've got um, my gift, and um, I I still have to go back and and reexamine all of that backstory and see if there's anything that's salvageable that I can reuse. But Michael. I'm really torn because I really enjoyed playing Tia in our in our right, testing. Which that we was were doing. a kobold. A kobold, yeah. And my she, battle lizard, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, bring her away. I mean, Kobold is yeah. one of the they had some super changes. Yeah, no longer pack and tactics, right? I mean, it's not it's not just that, it's the uh uh ability to get people advantage. Yeah, um, yeah. The the like, cry, right? Yeah, draconic cry, yeah. yeah. All of that stuff. Um so yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time completely divorcing myself from Tia. Uh, she was a cobalt named Tiamat, by the way, which I thought was hysterical. That's awesome. I've, as I was typing the name in, I was having a little cackle down here all by myself in, in our podcast. Oh, I, I got it instantly. But, you know, those that are 
oh, that have been playing the game for a while would get it. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was uh, <laughs> pretty clever of myself. Um, so, yeah, I'm just it's I'm having a tough... T-E-E-A-H. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. That which is probably pretty much the battle cry they get just got rid of. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm I'm still torn between the two. It may come and uh, you know. Uh, well, you have to decide by uh, what October yeah. 9th? Like real soon. Yeah, real soon. So um, and then um, artifice are both ways, right? Yeah, it's same same class both. I just have to make sure that I you know you're uh, I'm going by memory, but your origin doesn't have to change that much for any class any uh any race you choose. Yeah, and the the thing about and the the challenge for me as a player, um, coming into a new campaign is I like to build my characters, and then as I play the character, uh, the character kind of reveals yes themselves to me. Yep. Uh, so to sit down and write a backstory and actually set things down in black and white and, uh, like set it in stone, um, is daunting to me. And I, it's not- I completely understand. And it's actually, so the reason I ask for those things is because they become the future fodder mm-hmm. for a lot of activity quests, um, reveals. Yeah. Like there's a secret that I had in a campaign that I kept until level 15. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. And it, and it came out and everyone was like dumbfounded. It was yeah. one of those like, uh, like Jaws literally went, it was blank stares. I wish yeah. I enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and- um, so you're, you're, you're artificer for sure, but you're not sure the, the race yet yeah and and i think that the backstory that i wrote i don't want to say it was generic enough but i i think it's pliable enough that if i go either with the cobalt or, or stay with the gift i should be able to do a little bit of minor tweaking in either direction uh and really kind of like bolt it down um so yeah and, and as a dm i i understand the need for detailed backstories and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it's so funny when I ask it from my own players because I struggle with it so much. So um, yeah, it's, it's one of the, I have a love hate relationship with creating a backstory, I suppose, which is very different than when we're playing in vampire, the masquerade, because um, I have no problem sitting down and, you know, you coming write up a with, history of your character. And- yeah. It's like 10 pages long. And, you know, <laughs> it, it goes from like, when they were humans, what they were into, what they did, who their sire was, how old they were, uh, you know, what they turned into when they first uh, were um, turned. And well, I think that has more to do with just the play style. Like, yeah, it could, and, but like, it should. It should. I still should be able to take that and, and apply it to a D and D philosophy. Yeah, but for point. some reason, yeah, I just I struggle so much with it. That's, so uh, different people have different approaches. Rob, mm-hmm. uh, your character now. Oh. This is a. Uh, Interesting. It's almost you didn't know this when you created it, but it's almost an homage to a character in season one. It uh, really, oh. yeah. So describe your character. All right. So that's fantastic. I'm Gus. Uh, Gus Oddblow. Uh, I am in a world uh, bereft of magic, and that being looking down upon. I am the spawn of a genie, uh, Air Genasi. Um, that definitely had a huge impact. I don't want to let go too many of these secrets because we're going to definitely reveal all of this. But uh, as an individual that can't help be made 
magic, I actually walk around as a barbarian to start off with. Uh, I can tell the audience that this is going to be a slight change eventually. Uh, so keep your noses to the grindstone and see how I find my way into a little bit more of perhaps my father's influence. But uh, I'm exceptionally excited about this. Um, I usually build a character specifically for that DM. I, uh, I had the great luxury to uh, work with Seven Smokes uh, for quite a long time. In fact, we're right about to go to 100 episodes that we've nine been nom, with together. Nom de guerre of yeah, Seven yeah. Smokes. Do you know the oh. origin? Do you know the origin of that? No, no. idea. Uh, One of my favorite movies is You and Me and Dupree, and he throws okay. seven kinds of smoke. So uh -huh. seven smokes. All right, hey, <laughs> yes. fair enough. I no idea where that came from. It's just, I mean, like That's you just, great. you've been that, you've been that for me for over a hundred episodes. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things that Michael ever did was snake, uh, snake bomb. Uh, it was a, a completely like internal thing <laughs> that he just dropped on the map, changed the entire scenario. And uh, if I had the luxury, and it is a luxury to play with your dm as a character before you go further into their own story um i saw what he enjoyed i saw that you really enjoyed pushing the pushing the metal of like how you can push a character sheet can you optimize but not optimize but make it funny and cool and interesting interesting uh, I, is the key yeah, for me yeah yeah, in, yeah, yeah. interesting like that that's kind of what like for example i play with my buddy Mitch was also is part of a different platform. Uh, all of us, you can find all of us at uh, uh, Pop Culture Cosmos if you want to check out any of those games. We won't take any time right now to do that. But um, you'll see different characters for all those different DMs that I, I attempt to give them the best character I can do when it comes to what I've seen them enjoy in the first place. Um, and I think that I've come up with something. Interesting. Is, I had no idea of that. Yeah, uh, like for you, for you specifically, uh, I've I've made a character that's procedural based, that is um, that it has to do s things in the right order for to get your synergy, uh, like when it comes to like the base mechanics. Uh, yeah, my my right. full form is going to be fucking terrifying, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, now when but, you like, rage, there's an interesting thing that happens as a barbarian. Yes, uh, when I do rage. Uh, being an air genasi, uh, my background is uh, being on a frozen sea. So I've taken that frozenness to be like the frozen tundra uh, instead of it being just wind. So there's a little bit of water element to it. It's mm. not a water genasi, but it is a little bit of it. So I, I rock around with like dreadlocks with uh, crystals at the bottom, like uh, like hanging wind chimes almost. Uh, but when I do go into a rage, all of those in a static electricity come back and give us a mohawk. Uh, so that'd be like the two duality. I'm playing a little bit of a Jacqueline Hyde character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, uh, so what you don't know and didn't know, and you created this totally on your oh, own. Yeah, yeah. So in campaign one, there was a, a barbarian who was a fire genasi. And when the actual name reckless moves came from something, this guy did. That's amazing. Um, played by a guy named Kale. And he, um, when he raged, he was a fire genasi. He had a fire mohawk. Sure. So his characters, like you, totally unrelated. You had no, no idea. I had no idea of this. And so that was a great callback. Great. So how Reckless Moves was named was uh, campaign one. We did a, a module homebrew hybrid. So modules homebrew in between to tie them all together in one narrative storyline. Um which is 
was fun for me because it was Tales from the Awning Portal. It was all I, I skipped one of them because it's, it's, it's good. Too, but well, it is good. Um, he was in a uh, a Kobold Warren, and at the at the mouth they were thinking how they were going to go in. And there was all this talk. Uh, plotting like let's go in and let's sneak in and let's um one character was really good at stealth and uh this this barbarian said hey can i borrow your shield to the paladin he's like okay and he he started he goes bang 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 come on kobolds <laughs> and he broke he he <laughs> and everyone panicked they all came into like they, they hid and they basically became they all came out and became a kill box yeah and so that was how it was such a, it was a reckless move and that was how the the name of the the campaign the and the podcast yeah. came about because of yes. that it was a real it was just organic how that happened and well uh, if you're if you're listening mr mohawk you should come and have a one day game with ice <laughs> mohawk and fire mohawk <laughs> he might come Finally. back he might Finally come answer back the, the question dead. of which you prefer, fire or ice. Uh, mm. Oh, I see what you did there. Yes. Well, um, so so uh personality wise, it's uh, you're uncertain, uh Melinda, the of the, depends on what, what race you take, uh what kind of Yeah, so if I if I stay um with Tiamat. Um, her personality, she's very much a scamp, I suppose, um, and uh, forever tinkering. So I kind of took that a little bit from uh, my dad. My dad was always tinkering with mm. something. He, he was never a guy who, well, that's a lie, because we did watch a lot of movies together and we watched all of the Star Trek together. So uh, we did have mm. some downtime, but he was always, he had a workshop and he'd be out there building something or fixing something or, or whatever. I can't tell you how many hair dryers the man fixed. Um, but so I kind of took a little bit of that from my dad and I just want her to always be tinkering with the thing. So I've kind of um, built around that a little bit for her. Um, for the GIF, um, I don't think she's so much a tinker as she is an observer and then a creator to fit to solve the problems that she has perceived, whether they're true problems or not. So Interesting. She's an inventor that way versus an inventor through tinkering with Tiamat. Got that's it. Kind of how I'm, I'm looking at the two of them. And that's, I think, why I'm struggling so much. <laughs> <laughs> Making a decision. And Rob, as far as gust goes, uh, oh. personality style is there? Oh, devil may care, man. Uh, he's way smarter than he lets on. Mm. Uh, he plays dumb. Ah, uh, he like, but as, he, as a strategy, yeah, he he plays dumb on purpose, and and he's really good at it. Uh, I if if she plays Tia, uh, there's a friendship there. Yeah. Um. Uh. That that Tia is probably the only one aware of how smart Gus actually is. Um, and mm. I rouse, and I, that's one of the reasons everyone just kind of lets Gus get away with being stupid because that's, you no, know, no, that's just how he is. You know, that's just part of right. it. But like, he, he's very much not, he's very savvy. Um, he, he's a little bit broken. I'm, I'm always a, when I build a character, I don't really go for that, uh, find tragedy with your purpose i go for find the light and then that'll give you your guide mm. um like uh, so i don't really build tragic characters if they have a tragic backstory i will always try to add 
a huge amount of light that already happened beforehand that put them on a path to go towards something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm thrilled for you guys to go through this incredible journey. Uh, Gus has a lot of places to go because once you think you have him figured out, I don't think you do. Uh, he, he, he's, he's the uh, devil may care smirk. Uh, when you put him down, you're not, are you sure you're not the butt of the joke? That's kind of, uh, got it. Um, so you guys are uh, a couple. How is it being players in the same game? Oh, it's lovely. Yep. Fan, uh, honestly, fantastic. We we actually work in real life together too. Yeah, we. I mean, like, like, I mean, like, I don't prescribe this to anybody else, but it I, it I works mean, for you though. Yeah, somehow, we, somehow. We, we have had many many failed relationships across the both of us. Yeah, and and for some reason, I just happen to like this person. And, uh, oddly, like like even our employer was like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Like, yeah, we got this, and like it, it makes my day of joy at work got it next to me so that was Um, something i asked is uh, i didn't know that about you i didn't know you worked together as well yeah yeah there's a it is i honestly i i've dated all the women in the world and i like this one the most like that's pretty easy (laughs) that's that's quite a statement that's that's a lot it is right have you seen me i used to be prettier (laughs) yeah you lost all the hair if that's from yeah yeah yeah. God did that on yeah. purpose. He's like, you're going to take over the world, Rob. You got to, we got to slow this guy down. I join you in uh, the hair list a couple times a year for St. Baldrick's. So. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I like it. You'll, there's a, there's going to be, it's interesting having like right now I have a kind of a clean cut and then sometimes I have like really spikes and sometimes I have none. Right. So it's going right. to change over the campaign for sure. All right. That, I love yeah. that. Um, so, uh given the campaign setting um in alenoria which is uh you guys have gone through the the beginning of uh what this campaign setting is is there something you're either looking forward to or not looking forward to in this environment when to explain to everyone without giving the entire um history of alenoria which i'll do in a my session zero um there's there was an event in the past that almost broke the world where a high level wizard and a high level cleric, uh, the cleric um, stopped this massive uh, spell from, from breaking the earth. And as a result, magic has been outlawed. And so that's an interesting beginning of the campaign. The only exception is people that work for this, uh, the temple of the Kutha, which is the law of the land in Alenoria. That's all I'm going to say for now, but that's an, it's a challenge or it could be a benefit. Um, oh, I've, I've made my entire character around that particular problem. Interesting. Go first. Go first. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, I think for, uh, for either for uh, my gift or my cobalt, uh, I think that their ability to uh, tinker and to create things as uh, you know, an inventor, I suppose. Um, I think that they they're going to rely on that to hide any, you know, uh, quote unquote illegal magics that they may infuse mm, into those creations. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that uh, on the outside, all of their machinations will look overly complicated to explain the incredible things that this can do. Like my, um, 
battle flamingo. Yeah, my battle flamingo, for example. You know, you <laughs> can't. I, I love that so much. I just you just threw that out random during uh, initial. By the way, t- by the way, that's not random. The flamingo has like super importance to me and Melinda. Yeah. Oh, very, okay. Very, yeah, I didn't know first, that. Yeah, I thought it was. Right. I think he is, man. The very yeah. first time she came down, uh, it was so simple and so cute. Like, uh, like, you know, when you like really go when you go stay a month, you don't really bring your own products with you. Buy them there because it takes up space in the suitcase. suitcase. Sure. So she's, she's like, yeah, let's go to Walmart or whatever it was. And like just pick up some essentials. And like I happen to come with this bright blue flamingo that like uh, was a pen, like the, like the stand was a foot. And bright blue with feathers in the back. And like, so it was just this little tiny throwaway gag that like shouldn't have been anything other than welcome to Vegas. Boom. Here's a here's a blue flamingo. Our house is now full of flamingos. Do they just keep coming to us? Yes. We don't (laughs) buy them. They just like it's just the thing that is now. It's one of those things that just happened. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's coffee related things so my company was named after my favorite coffee drink um and i have been granted coffee from all over the world just because i happen to you know like coffee i have so much coffee like if anyone needs coffee (laughs) i've got i mean i people go to hawaii and send me like two pounds of coffee and you know and despite the fact that my company's name like i can't drink that much coffee yeah, like I, I would die. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But it's one of those things. My grandparents lived in a in Columbus, Ohio, a place called Little Turtle. I cannot tell you how many turtles they got given. Like I'm sure. they had turtles. I remember right. Their downstairs den was like they put all the turtles. Salt down shakers. There. Salt shakers. A, we called them the turtle room. Yeah, salt yeah. Sh- exactly. Salt shakers, turtle liquor things. Yeah, like, it was crazy. Um. um uh, for mine specifically, uh, like I like again, uh, I build characters for the DM. Uh, you brought this amazing problem, this quagmire of what it is to live in a world of magic, D and D, and that be illegal. So uh, I tried to access the most magical thing, magical thing I could think, would be a genie. Like that's period. Like yeah. that's the like birth of magic. That is the, yeah. Unbelievable power, little itty bitty lived space. Like I mean, like that's like I thought magic. I thought genie, and then I thought like, what's what would a genie have to do in a world without magic? And barbarian was just like the most anti-magic thing because mm. rage like destroys magic. So like when he put, no, sorry, small spoiler, or we we'll call this a hint, uh, when he got put on his path. Uh, what they used him for is was a barbarian uh, to fight uh, to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yep, spoil. I get it. Not yep. gonna spoil. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you're so bar- tempted, though. I, I can, really I am. See it in your I, eyes. I, I got. I, I have, <laughs> I've been sitting on this for two months, man. Just sit. Yeah. Just sit on it. Sit on it a little yeah. longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, that barbarian <laughs> aspect uh, is specifically uh, for you to like chew on and eat and like engorge because you already made this story like yeah. you already like so so like why not fucking throw up some flame and yawn i mean like i think i think it's gonna be really neat and i'm super excited to play in this campaign yeah it's gonna be fun yeah. well uh is there anything else you'd like to add either of you 
Just remember, Gus Get is for not... Cobalt? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I Be my battle weasel. <laughs> be my battle weasel. I want to have a group a rocket thing going on. Oh, yeah? Is that what's going on? If you're a hippo, I can't lift you up. No, that's very true. I could lift you up, though. There you go. This I, I'm made of air, so sure. Yeah. All right, I'll be your rocket. And remember, <laughs> when, 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 you me, when you see me on stream, uh, if I sound stupid... That's either the actual person, Robbie, being stupid or he's playing it. He's I'll give you a little hint. Maybe he's holding some cards back. Well, I think that uh, that could go for anyone. Um, right. I. Uh, yeah, there's about 150 NPCs planned already. So I am kind bad. of I went a little further than season one for the people, the, the main NPCs, I should say. Yeah. yeah. The world is full of NPCs, except for you guys. Um so combat wise, uh, you guys went over the house rules. Um, one of the comments I'll make is that um, combat should be fast. Mm -hmm. It should be fast. Decisions can be made. If you, if you, if it goes around with six people and a couple enemies and people haven't made a decision, okay, you dodge. Um, yeah. yeah. So we, we move fast. And to your point from earlier, Melinda, like combat should be fun. Not and if 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 it's obvious the tide has turned, some you know, rather than completing this out, I will sometimes either say they might surrender, they might also sure. it's an inevitable victory at some point. Just right. num statistically number wise, um sometimes uh um I have a couple phrases which I'll save for the campaign, but um you finish them off. You you you'll well there's um something from season one that I use a lot. You'll, you'll figure it out. But um, my answer to anything you want is you can certainly try that. Yep. Yeah. Anything. I mean, oh, I could, the, on play <laughs> testing, I still have a pet bomb. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had to mute. Cause I had a spit take. <laughs> That's I think right. I should get, I think I should get to keep this bomb. I uh, haven't used well, it Well, that's yet. the reason it was playtesting, wasn't ah! it? <laughs> I worked hard. I cultivated Well, so, so for those watching, we uh, yeah. spent a lot of time to make sure that the experience, uh, we use Foundry, the experience with uh, animations and combat went fast. Oh, bro, it's, by the way, hold on. Before you keep, keep going, uh, the audience at home, if this is the first video you're seeing, you're going to be so impressed of how hard and far they pushed Foundry. It is gorgeous. It is quick. It is it is based upon this. You're going to love this story. Yeah, Michael, it's really yeah, underscored yeah, I mean, that like, I have only scratched the surface of Foundry myself. Yeah, man. So. Like, th this is Thanks a, a lot, man. Yeah, this is a legendary, <laughs> legendary action when it comes to like what you can really do with Foundry. Yeah. If you're a Foundry player yourself, Look at this and then write in the comments when you're asking, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. Like there's some really. Yeah, cool I'm, I'm happy to. I'm always happy to help people, too, as well, because I, I love the platform and it to me, there's also like transitions. Some, you don't always need a map. Sometimes you need like, hey, we're doing this thing in between, you know, yeah. it just depends on the play. Well, um, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, Linda Barkhouse, Rob Ross. You guys are going to be amazing players. Um, we'll end with this. Thank you for being DMs, but also being players in this <laughs> in this season too, because uh, I know that uh, 
the one thing that I know about you guys is it's really fun playing with you. So um, with yeah, that, that's it. with that, we'll see you guys in the campaign. <laughs>